welcome to Pod for Teacher. I'm Aaron Fitzpatrick. I'm Neil Langelli. And I'm Kristen Milanovic. Live via satellite. <laughs> <laughs> With several of the topics we've discussed on previous pods back in the news as of late, we thought this would be the perfect time for some updates. And given the time of year, as we're about to wrap up the first semester, we're calling this special bonus pod. Drum roll, please. <laughs> Midterm review, review, review. On the pod today, school start time, teacher evaluations, mental health, vaping, school safety, and a lot of our other hijinks. We'll get right into it after this word from Steely Dan. We'll turn it round and round you go back. Jack, do it again. Welcome back, Cotter. I'm too young for that. K Mills, Fitz. <laughs> Me too. Are you are you guys uh you know, my I think maybe my parents would get that reference. I know them. The reference. Cotter's uh, Cotter's afro would look good on you, I think. <laughs> and mustache. You think so? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That means a lot to me. Yeah. All right. The first update. <clears throat> School start time. That was way back. Season one. Episode one. The very oh, beginning of it all. Guys. I know. <gasps> anyway, here we go. Here's our update. According to an NBC News report put out in October, California is really shaking up school tarts. Start times, yes. Start times. The article reads, When Governor Gavin Newsom last week signed the nation's first state law mandating later uh, school start times, which have been associated with a slew of health benefits for teens, he turned what has long been a local issue into one that could soon be hotly debated in state houses across the nation. I don't know about you, I'm getting excited hearing this. Advocates hope that California's new law, which over the next three years will bar most high schools from starting classes before 8.30 a.m., and most middle schools from starting before 8 a.m. will supercharge a public health campaign that has now reached schools on a piecemeal basis, one district at a time. Everyone excuse me, is going to be watching to see what the results are going to be, said Deborah Temkin, Senior Director of the Education Program at Child Trends, a Washington-based researched organization. California is one of the largest states in the country. Wow, newsflash, huh? Can really define policy movements across the country. If this is implemented where it sort of just sprung up on a community without taking the time to, to build in the necessary childcare support and thinking through transportation issues, then I think we are much more likely to see negative consequences. With another word of caution, Troy Flint, a spokesman for the California School Boards Association, which represents most of the state's more than 900 school districts, states, we don't oppose later school start times. We actually encourage districts to examine school start times to see if later times make sense for them. But what we object to is a one-size-fits-all, unfunded mandate that discourages parental choice and doesn't take into account the diverse needs of various communities across the state. Okay, so there's a little bit of a, you know, caution there. But not everyone is on board with drastic changes to school start times. Back in October 22nd, a report put out by a local news station in Virginia Beach states, a group of Virginia Beach students are coming out against the district's recommended schedule changes, saying the move would have more negative impacts than positive ones. A change.org petition asking Virginia Beach public schools to keep school start times as they currently are has more than 10,000 signatures as of when this report was put out. Their creator said she is a high school student. The superintendent's team said the following schedule would match medical research for uh, student sleep patterns. So here it is. Here's the proposed changes. Elementary A schools, 7.30 to 2 p.m., and their B schools, 8 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. Middle schools, 8.40 a.m. to 3.10 p.m. And then high schools, not until 9.20 uh, a.m. Uh, to 4.10 p.m. And right now, their high schools uh, currently start at 7.20 a.m. So that'd be a two-hour change there. Okay. So all that to say, I know I kind of rattled through all that. Anyway, if you want to hear more, you can go back to season one, episode one, to get our full thoughts. But what do you guys think on that? The pros and cons, a little pushback. People are saying, eh, California, Virginia, what do we think? Great, great I, uh, thoughts. Oh, okay, all right, here we go. Okay, I'm, I'm jumping in. I, I feel like this high school start time of 9.20 to 4.10 is gonna, could impact the after-school uh, jobs of some of the students. Oh, it, it, that's possible. I mean, that's that's one of the things we talked about in that that, that episode. It, yeah. You know, it, it obviously would impact uh, other extracurriculars and athletics and things yeah. like that, too. Um, you know, but on the other hand, <clears throat> 
one thing that we did talk about, you know, that's kind of those are the times that are a little bit more closely aligned to the to the world, the business world, or like you know, nine the, to five, the or whatever, professional, yeah. right? Um, yeah, right. Yeah, I remember Brad serenaded us a little bit because oh, <laughs> oh we're getting a tear in the eye now. <laughs> and I did appreciate too, same like you know, we got to be careful. There are other issues like daycare, transportation, a lot of you know logistical things too. So I appreciate it. it seems like people are trying to take it seriously, not just making random changes for change sake, you know. Right. Interestingly enough, though, I kind of thought when we tackled that issue right off the bat, uh, right out of the gate, I thought, hey, you know, like this is kind of a progressive nuance in the field or whatever. But it is interesting that just in the just in the short time since then that like it's caught so much fire that it's uh, it's, it's not looked at as as a very crazy idea to begin with anymore. You know, it's and, something that's just kind of moving on. And unlike what Billy Joel may think, we did start this fire, buddy. I'll tell you <laughs> what, right there. But right. oh, the issue got the pod bump. Full disclosure, I was four years old when that song came out. <laughs> wow. wow. Uh, all right. So let's move on to media literacy. That was our uh, that was season two. That was our bonus pod, episode six. You got to love bonus pods. Got to love the bonus pod. Uh, like this one. <laughs> um, a like this one. Yeah. Um, a December 4th article put out by the state of Columbia is titled, SC Students Need Better Instruction on Spotting Bias, Fake News Online, Bill Says. And it reads, with the spread of misinformation, so-called fake news and news streams that reflect the consumer's political viewpoints, a state lawmaker and a Columbia media literacy consultant <laughs> want students to be taught how to, uh, how to be critical of what they read and post online. A bill sponsored by State Rep. Seth Rose uh, would direct the uh, South Carolina Department of Education to develop a plan for teaching media literacy in the state's public schools after taking recommendations from an advisory panel. The goal is to teach students how to think critically about what they see in the media and in social media, which has been used to propagate fake news, supporters say. From a global level, it would teach kids not to take what they see on social media as fact, to question the sources and ask questions about what they're seeing on social media, Rose said. When young people consume media, they should know to question who the author or producer is, ask if there's a hidden agenda or bias, and ask what techniques the media is using to convey its message, said Frank Baker, a Columbia Media literacy consultant who supports the legislation. South Carolina's education standards already include references to teaching media literacy, according to State Education Department spokesman Ryan Brown. The state's standards for college readiness and English language, visual and performing arts and social studies were updated in 2015, 2017, and this year, respectively. Um, Brown said that they all have references to teaching media literacy, but Rose said that what is being taught now isn't adequate as times have changed and as social media has become more prevalent. He added that there needs to be education on fact-checking, what is read on social media platforms. Uh, it's not adequate and it doesn't touch the issue at all. It doesn't even scratch the surface, he said. To say that we're doing this on, in social studies, it isn't happening on the scale it needs to happen. Uh, and this bill is meant to start the discussion as we look at public education. So um, this being a, a huge issue in today's society, um, even outside the realm of communications and, and journalism, you know, the world that I live in <laughs> most of the time, um, how important do you feel? And I know, uh, Kristen, uh, you weren't on that episode initially. I kind of like to get your thoughts on um, your, like how much uh, it matters to show students how to be able to distinguish what's fact from fiction and how to detect bias and how to uh, debunk um, untruths. Well, I do. And it's interesting because I was going to refer to you with all of your journalism background. Like, you know, what really, I, that was going to be my first question. Like, do, do you believe that there's a need for this? Like, do you see that students are, are falling prey to the, this fake news? I, I do. I, 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 weirdly enough, I've, from my experience, I think students are less likely to fall victim than some adults because mm -hmm. they were raised in this uh, social media environment. Um, and then this is something that I, I remember seeing this specifically and really thinking about it after uh, the Parkland tragedy. You know, you had all these adults that, that knew all the right answers and all these adults that, that, that wanted to uh, tell these kids what was right and what to do and stuff like that. And, and some of these students were taking, you know, some really like some heat from, from adults across the country and across the world. And they handled it with such poise and they handled it with such grace. And I, you know, I was proud to be a teacher, a high school teacher specifically, 
uh, when that happened, even though those were not my students, because like that's the world that we're bringing these kids up in. And, and so they're so much better at it, I think, than we give them credit for. Um, not to say that education is not uh, not super important. Um, it certainly is, um, because I think there are there are some uh, some blind spots there. But um, I, I, I do very, very much believe um, that it, it's probably one of the most important things that uh, that we can teach our students. Um, in fact, I was talking to uh, Nate about this before. Um, a, uh, the, the, a former president of the Journalism Education Association, his name is Mark Newton. Um, he, uh, he has such a powerful tweet that he posts pretty much every time um, some piece of news comes out that, that kind of points the, the camera at um, what's going on with media literacy or like instances of like why it's so important. And he, and he, always, he always tweets, demonstrated media literacy proficiency must be required to graduate high school and be admitted to college in the military. Uh, what do you think about that concept? I understand. I, I, that. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Kay Mills. No, no, go ahead, Nate. I was just going to say, I understand. I, the message behind that seems very important. Like, can you, at the heart of it, can you tell what's true and what's not? Like, can you distinguish fact from yeah. fiction? Are you able to discern that? Right. Now, judging that, I mean, with any standard, you know, I think you and I were mentioned the other day, Fitz, like, it could be a little subjective. How can you guarantee that somebody can do that on a consistent basis? Well, you, that could be the true for any standard that's out there. Um, I'm hoping they don't really look in, into my class too much because I tell a lot of lies in history, and we don't want them to. I, I kid. I kid. Um, but no, I, overall, though, the premise of that seems very, very valid because you see so many people that they take what they perceive to be true and they go forward with it, and then long run, more harm could be done than good. And so having that as a standard... In some way, I don't know exactly how that would look, mm -hmm. but I'm I'm behind the idea uh, for it because um, being able to distinguish fact from fiction, I think that goes along not just in like education, but I mean think about the relationships, right? You hear gossip here, you hear somebody standing in the front of somebody else's house, right? When the milkman drives by, like, ooh, what's going on, right? You have all these, on, you have all right? these rumors, you have all these <laughs> crazy. But yeah, so no, I think I think it's very valid. Even with like my advertising class, you know, the multimedia with marketing class, we talk about. Um, how that, you know, commercials, advertisements, things are all created, you know, with specific targets in mind. So having my goal of that course is to have the students be educated consumers, right? So that they know, for example, that they don't need the heart-shaped Reese's that cost a dollar more just because they're out for Valentine's Day when the regular Reese's cost just, you know. So are, does that mean I'm not going to get any of those from either of you this year? Is that what's going to yeah, happen? That might, that might mean that, right? Because I'm not, I'm an educated, I'm not getting targeted for these wow. heart-shaped Reese's, right? <laughs> wow. But I'm, at the okay. same pipe, it's, that's kind of what I mean. Like, just be, no, like if, if I choose to buy the heart-shaped Reese's, I know that I'm spending more money. So if it, all of this information that's coming to them have a way of just at least knowing where to go to discern whether or not it's true or not. You bring up a good point. I mean, I think a lot of times we get lost in the weeds on that fake news term, um, you know, because uh, obviously it wasn't created a few years ago, but obviously it, it mm -hmm. spiked and has kind of remained in the American lexicon since then. Um, but uh, I think we attach that term to politics a lot. Sure. Um, and you bring up a point that, you know, being able to spot bias and uh, to be able to be media literate um, is way bigger than just that. I mean, this, we're talking about, you know, economics. We're mm -hmm. talking about marketing. We're right. You know, it, it can impact everything. And I think that's why Mark Newton Like when so I say I love it. you, Fitz, is that true or, or is it not? You know, like, can you discern fact from fiction? Right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I feel like that's um, a perfect segue into our next little section. Great segue. Agree? Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, okay, perfect. So from season two, episode eight, we are going to um, reference the teacher evaluations in the state of Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is in the middle of possible changes to the way the state evaluates its teachers. An article written by Kim Jarrett of the Center Square reads, the bill introduced by Representative Jesse Topper from a rep a Republican from Bed Bedford and Senator Ryan Alment, a Republican from Mount Joy, would make changes to 2012's Act 82. Senate Bill 751 and House Bill 1607 aim to increase the weight of the teacher observation portion from 50% to 70% of the overall evaluation. The scores will focus less on building level scores that access the overall score of the school. 
The change is supported by the Pennsylvania State Education Association, otherwise known as PSEA. However, the Pittsburgh public school system does not support changes to the weight of the observation component, said Alyssa Ford Haywood, director of performance management for the district. We maintain that the proposed change could dampen the impact of student achievement outcomes by giving an even greater weight to the observation results. Jerry Jordan, president of the Philadelphia Federation of Teachers, said test scenarios in his district showed that only 4.59% of teachers there would see an improvement in their evaluations, whereas 11.49% would see a decrease in their scores. Quite simply, the legislation proposed in SB 751 does not move the needle for a significant number of educators. Thoughts on the argument that test scores will be too undervalued with this new proposed change? Now, when we were going through this, I did find it kind of interesting. It seems to be the more, obviously, the two largest urban areas in Pennsylvania aren't necessarily on board with these changes. In my mind, right. we talked about the fact that I know we were talking about it, it seems like a good idea because uh, there's a lot of variables that go into test scores, right? It could be socioeconomics. It could be just having a bad day. It could be whatever it is. And so why is so much weight given to a single test versus observations? So I don't know the full um, rationale about why there's not more support perhaps in these more urban areas, but it, it is an interesting uh, piece of the component there. There could be other variables at stake as well there. You know, like they, they may be uh, some of those classrooms may have a little bit more uh, – maybe other issues that we're not aware of, you know, maybe like behavior management or, or whatever. And maybe some of the, um, the organizations and teachers are concerned that maybe, you know, like more, more weight on an observation, um, some of those variables they don't believe, maybe they aren't able to control as much as they would like, then could maybe detrimentally impact their, their score. Yeah, like, possibly. It's something that we sure. don't know, given the, the information that's come to light. Um, but, uh, you know, it all still comes back to like, you know, the, the test scores are still valued to some degree. They're still used mm-hmm. in this in this equation, and if they're going to be valued and they're going to be um, assessed, then you know we we got to do something to try to make sure that our students are properly prepared for sure, but also that they are uh, seeing the value in success on those exams, and that is the the X factor. I think the 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 thing that's kind of hard to, to put your finger on. Right. Right. And, and that actually brings me to the next, there's a next section of this. So not only would the changes adjust the percentages of the current evaluation system, it would also do something no other state has yet done. The Pennsylvania Capital Star put out a report a few months ago and it states, if a pair of Republican lawmakers get their way, Pennsylvania could become the first state in the nation that considers student poverty levels when judging teacher performance. The proposal sponsored by Ryan Alment from Lancaster and Jesse Topper again would change teacher evaluation standards to include a poverty multiplier to account for the detrimental effects of poverty on students and their standardized test scores. Leaders in the Philadelphia Federation of Teachers, the union that represents the public school teachers in Pennsylvania's largest city, say that the proposed reforms don't do nearly enough to ameliorate the effects of poverty on student achievement. What's more, they risk codifying negative stereotypes about low student achievement into state law, the union's president said in a memo sent to the lawmakers. The memo also states that the poverty multiplier at the heart of the policy, which which mathematically adjusts student test scores based on poverty levels in the school building, is deeply flawed and unproven. Analysis by the union shows it has only a modest effect on evaluation scores. That's consistent with predictions held by Ahmet, who told the Capital Star this spring that the equation would have a subtle effect on scores, but a big boost on teacher morale. So what do you think about that with socioeconomics now coming into the teacher evaluation process? I like that it's a part of it. Um, Anything new is not going to be perfect right off the bat. So even if there are some concerns with it, I think it is a factor to address. So we can't just deny and say there's no effect of socioeconomics on people, on students and, you know, those sort of things. So even if it's not the best, I don't know what that multiplier looks like. I don't know the math behind it. I'm not sure how they're going to come to, right. you know, how that yeah. will affect the overall That's evaluation. Exactly. But right. I mean, I like the the idea behind it at least. Right. I mean, I've never really liked uh, an argument that states that something's not valid or not worthwhile because it doesn't go far enough because you have to take steps to get to that end result. And, right. and I, you know, so like the beginning of that argument sounded like, well, you know, that 
we, we don't really feel like it does enough to ameliorate the effects of poverty. Uh, great. Like, no kidding. But you got to start somewhere, right? And, you know, we've always said that that, uh, like, struggle, uh, socioeconomic struggle that our students face um, is something that no matter how good the teacher is in that room and what kind of support system that they have in that school, they still have to go home and they still have to deal with some of those struggles. And, like, that's, that's something that, uh, right, like, there is no... Uh, you know, magic bullet that's going to to, to cure that issue. But right. I like the idea that for once, you know, we're, we're hearing about um, lawmakers that are kind of keeping, uh, you know, educators in the loop. Uh, they're 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 having those conversations and trying to figure out ways to try to to make this a, a better system for everyone involved. Um, I mean, we've we've always you know kind of decried the. <laughs> The system in that too often lawmakers that, you know, because they were once students and inherent experts as a result, uh, are, you know, make make policy that affects people. That, that sounds like a previous episode, perhaps, that we've yeah. talked about, perhaps. It, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Go <laughs> look it up. In the past. Look it up. Um, but yeah, so I, mean, I do I do very much believe that the uh, taking the socioeconomic status and, and, you know, throwing that into the equation is a step in the right direction. But just mm-hmm. like we said when we went when we I recorded that episode, um, they got to keep an eye on it. They got to see it. If, right. if after some of those results come back and they're going through it and they feel like okay, this isn't quite uh, the result that we were looking for, why not then have that bring bring come back to the table, have that conversation, make the adjustment. You can, yeah, you can always change things. And completely unrelated, you said magic bullet, and it made me think of JFK. And then I was like, you know what? It made me think of the Seinfeld episode with the magic loogie. You familiar with that one with Keith Hernandez? Yeah, I was thinking of the magic bullet from the infomercial and all the things that you could make with it. I'm not right. Is that a a blender? Is is, is that what you're talking about? Oh, okay. okay. So now, like, I was kind of getting hungry. Well, um, did you make any lasagna or anything? Because I believe we've talked about you had this idea for a lasagna. Yeah, I did. I I haven't. Okay, that's fine. Minimal cooking. Well, moving right. on. Moving on here. Ooh, anyway. Ooh, our next topic that we're going to revisit here, mental health. This is season three, episode one. This is where, Kay, this is where Kay Mills really took our show That's to stardom. Right. So this is where I, I really feel as though. Ingredient. Yeah, pod for teacher really took a, a positive turn here. You know, no offense <laughs> to you, Double B. Uh, but here we go. All right. <clears throat> The Boston Globe reports in 2017 about 34% of college students were being treated for a mental health problem compared to 19% of students in 2007. So that's a huge jump in 10 years. And that's according to the American Psychiatric Association. The rise in suicides among those of college age has left many campuses across the country grappling with how best to help the growing number of students who are suffering from depression, anxiety, and a host of other mental health issues. Some colleges are beefing up their counseling services or deploying mobile apps that allow students to routinely check in on their emotional health. Other higher education institutions are training academic advisors to spot the signs of depression and embedding counselors in campus cultural groups to help students of color who may be less likely to seek traditional therapy. And earlier this month, Stanford University agreed to change its student leave of absence policy, allowing some students who had attempted suicide to remain in campus housing even if they took an academic break instead of being forced to leave campus. So that's across the country, but then even a little closer to home, according to a report in The Rocket uh, at Slippery Rock University, the President's Commission on Mental Health was held, they held a mental health fair to enhance mental health education and awareness of resources on campus. The event welcomed students and faculty members to this event where various organizations held tables and activities themed around mental health. Organizations such as Student Government Association, the Counseling Center, Active Minds, National Alliance on Mental Illness, and more had representatives at this event to encourage spreading education about mental health. Students in attendance could visit tables and create bracelets, receive stress balls, create their own essential oils, receive handouts with methods on how to manage stress, and play with therapy dogs. Maybe Fitz would want a therapy cat. I don't know. We'll get on that later. Hard pass. (laughs) Hard pass. Active Minds is a nationwide organization that hosts a chapter on Slippery Rock's campus whose purpose is to advocate, educate, and destigmatize mental health. NAMI is a national organization with an affiliate on campus. The national organization focuses on spreading mental health awareness across the country, while the affiliate promotes mental health awareness and education for students and staff on campus. And Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf has made frequent use of task forces and other ad hoc panels to focus his administration's efforts in addressing specific social concerns. 
Now, citing that track record, the governor has announced plans for Reach Out PA, an initiative designed to draw attention and resources to mental health challenges faced by Pennsylvanians. Over the past few years, there's been an increasing concern over the state of mental health care, both here in Pennsylvania and all across the United States, Wolf said during a news conference to announce the new initiative. And that's partially because of a growing awareness of how the brain works. It's also partly because we've made a big effort to destigmatize the issue of mental health and mental health struggles, and that has allowed more people to speak up. So overall, across the country, locally, statewide, thoughts on these steps that are being taken to address mental health. What do you think, Kay Mills? Well, I'll tell you, I mean, it's, I, I'm, I'm glad that at this, at the state level, at the school level, that mental health is at the forefront, right. Of people's, people's minds, because there is a lot that is being researched and that we're learning about. And obviously it's something that everyone struggles to, to a degree, some more than others, some, you know, even more, but paying attention, knowing what to look for, sounds like this is what they're doing. Obviously, I would love to have my dog in school with me because then I do think that would be stress relieving. But having those types of, I mean, it's funny that this one came right after the teacher evaluation, right? As we discussed this in process, but I mean, taking sometimes to take that time away to focus on, okay, here's a stress ball or even knowing what happened with the student in the class prior to them walking in your classroom could be enough to affect their mental health for that day, right? Or that class period. So sometimes taking that step back and saying, okay, like here's our, you know, essential oils or whatever it might be focused on the fact that, you know, at some point throughout the school year, you know, students know that teachers are aware and they can um, obviously be, you know, be in an environment that's encouraging. And speaking of stress balls, for those of you who can't see because we're not, you know, recorded with a video, I have my stress ball here on the desk with me. His name's Glenn. Say hi, Glenn. No, he oh. can't talk. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't use him for stress. I just like because I enjoy having things to throw. But he's here. Well, that's good. My dog's here. They I'm see. There yeah. you go. I'm here, guys. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, you I, we, were, we were having a moment. Thanks, Fitz. Well, Sorry, I... Uh... <laughs> I, I just I, I completely think that uh, you know people are doing the right thing here. I mean, the, the more events, the more organizations, the more we talk about mental yes. health, that in and of itself is is going to destigmatize or help along the lines of destigmatization of of the you know of the issue, right? So, um, I think that's fantastic. Uh, just giving it oxygen. The more people hear about it, the more they're going to take that as just common you know like this is this is what we talk about this is just as normal as going to the doctor this is just as normal as talking about uh, a sore back which i have yeah and i think a lot maybe <laughs> the more we discuss it the more like this uh self-awareness for each individual to recognize like oh geez like okay i'm overwhelmed this this will pass versus you know, I'm so overwhelmed, there's no way out, you know, but it, the more resources that are available, I think will help with the self-awareness as well. Right. And like with anything, you know, changing society and perception takes time. So at least these steps are being made. So sure. that's good. Yep. All right. Great. Uh, moving on to our, our next topic. Uh, we, we, we talked about vaping in episode two of season three. We called that one Planet of the Vapes. Um, You're pretty proud of that, aren't you? Like you, you I love that. I mean, Planet that's a good of the vapes. I can't tell you how many people I've actually sent that our podcast uh, to. Well, what I, I can't remember. What were the other what were the other uh, working um, titles that we threw out? Oh, I can't even. I'd have to go back to you, you, I think you put them on with the Earth paper. No. <laughs> I don't yeah. that was it, was it? Was that one? I just made that. Up. You just made that. Right one. Yeah, she's she's finding she's getting the info. This is not fake okay. news. She's researching it and figuring it out for us. I'm, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna jump in. You, 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 uh, you interrupt me when you find it. Um, okay, so a report put out by WPXI Pittsburgh says that Pennsylvania is one step closer to raising the minimum age for buying tobacco products and vaping products. And didn't they just do that? Um, no, oh, okay, I got ahead of myself. Lawmakers in the state Senate and House of Representatives both voted to pass legislation that would raise the age from 18 to 21. Um, I did see a few sad students. Uh, in school uh, the day after. <laughs> Senator Mario Scavillo introduced legislation which points to an ever-increasing number of teens ages 15 to 17 that are getting cigarettes from their 18-year-old high school peers. The bill now heads to Governor Tom Wolf's desk for his approval. 
Lawmakers at the federal level are also considering a similar bill to raise the age for purchasing tobacco products. Politico reports a House panel advanced a sweeping ban on flavored tobacco, including vaping products. The bill approved by the House Energy and Commerce Committee is far more aggressive than the ban that President Trump proposed two months ago to combat surging public health uh, crises tied to vaping. The Democrats' measure, approved on a 28 to 24 vote mostly along party lines, would ban all flavored tobacco products, raise the purchasing age to 21 nationwide, and ban online sales in a bid to curb teen tobacco use, particularly of vaping products. The legislation has gained momentum in the House, as federal uh, research showed teen vaping rates continuing to soar and as a vaping-linked lung disease swept across the country. Um, Kristen, uh, what do you think about the the age jump here? You know, jumping from, you know? I find that interesting, but I do feel as if that, I mean... The age jump to 21, obviously, is, you know, now we're comparing it to like an alcoholic style beverage, like as if you can do it when you get to be 21. My questions are, it seems that the, the like you said, the lung disease that was going across the country did seem to be tar- to being affecting only like lung develop, you know, students, young kids, kids who were doing it versus the adults who currently are vaping. So is there something they're not telling us about the age of 21 when your lungs are fully developed versus when you're a teen that, um, you know, you are more susceptible to whatever it may be um, for that vape? That's really kind of my my thought. That's a good question. I don't know, because I know they've done studies too for raising the age for drinking, like the development of the brain and all those sort of things too. So maybe it's something similar with smoking and vaping for the lungs. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess I appreciate the fact that they're trying to do something to curb what's going on. I don't, will it actually help? I don't know. And until they truly identify what the substance was in the vapes that was causing the lungs to, you know, exhibit chemical burn type things, I mean, that would be something that obviously would need to be included in all education to, you know, as part of that, you know, dare style campaign. Like this is what's in them. Like you need to be aware, like everyone, you know, in cigarettes, they were aware that it's tar and everything that's in it. Right. Versus with, with the vaping products, it's the, you know, the details are sketchy. You don't know. Yeah. So I, like, almost with anything else, you know, just more time. This is still pretty fairly new in terms of the uh, long-term effects. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm not opposed to the move. I don't. I know, like you said, some people who are younger seem to be upset about it. But for the overall, okay, they, if things are really that bad and they they want it back to eight, then they can try and vote for people in. I mean, they can vote when they're 18, right? If they want to, hey, put people in there who want to right. lower to 18. Okay, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that, that always is where the argument always seems to come back to. It's like you know, you're old enough to to drive a, you know, two ton piece of metal around the street, you know, yeah, at 16 sure. years old that, you know, that could, you're old uh, enough to go in the military at 18. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. that's, that's the big one. Hey, that's the big one. You know, you're you, like, you're old enough to defend your country at 18 and vote at 18, you know, but then, you know, we're, we're controlling, you know, what, what people can consume. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I think we're moving on. Kristen. Yeah. Um, I think we are moving on. School Safety, Season 3, Episode 3. According to a local news agency, Trib Live, two Butler County students were taken into custody on Tuesday, November 19th, after officials said one of the students sold a gun to another student at Seneca Valley Intermediate High School. No one was injured. The district said on its website Tuesday that the incident was reported shortly after school started. High school administrators were notified through student reports that a student was seen with a gun at the Intermediate High School. Officials said police found a gun in the glove compartment of the student's vehicle parked outside the school, which they believe was sold to the student by another. The gun was immediately turned over to the school police officer, and officials did not disclose what type of gun was discovered, but both students were arrested and removed from school campus. USA Today wrote an article titled How to Keep Schools Safe. The recurrent school shootings at schools, at least 30 this year, resulting in death or injury, according to the gun safety organization. Every town has sent policymakers and administrators scrambling for ways to keep students safe. Last year, in the wake of the massacre of 17 high school students and personnel in Parkland, Florida, Congress apportioned millions of dollars as part of the STOP, Stop 
School Violence Act to cover the cost of safety and equipment and programs. Yet the bloodshed continues. According to national figures compiled by the Educator School Safety Network, incidents of school violence, defined as instances that require a response beyond the institution's regular capabilities, spiked by more than, ready for this, 185% from the 2016 to 17 school year to the 18-19 school year. Over that time, the number of school threats also rose by 62%. But what about the actual cost? According to the lo- a local station in Louisville, Kentucky, the Kentucky School Boards Association believes school districts would need about $18 million to improve safety features at school buildings and at least $121 million more each year for school resource officers and counselors to comply with the School Safety and Resilience Act passed by the General Assembly. KSBA, which represented those figures, Tuesday during a meeting of uh, a meeting of the budget review subcommittee on education based those estimates on feedback from a survey it sent to Kentucky school districts this year after the passage of Senate Bill 1. Eric Kennedy, KSBA's director of advocacy, said about a third of the state's 172 districts responded to the survey, which he said represented a quote unquote good mix of districts. It's the first look at how much school districts expect to spend on safety measures under new mandates as the General Assembly prepares to craft a two-year spending plan in the next session. What do you think about those measures being taken, but, but more importantly, about the money? I, that is, I mean, it is a lot of money. I mean, I'm not saying it's not well spent because obviously safety is such an important issue, but we've been spending right. more and more money. Yet it's That number, that 185% increase of um, response required beyond the institution's regular capabilities. They apparently just putting more money and more safety features into a, a school or just like, that's not doing enough. I mean, obviously we need the safety. We need those. Yes, we need all that stuff, but we have to be doing something else besides just money apparently because these instances are on the rise greatly apparently still. And so we need to, right. we need to think of other things as well. One thing that I don't know if we talk about enough with this stuff is, um, you know, we often look at best practices elsewhere. You know, we, we see what other schools are doing, what other states are doing, um, anything that might be deemed effective. and Anything K-Mills does, I do. I think best practices. <laughs> that's, that's a great first step. Oh, thank um, you. Thank you. <laughs> but really, like we, you know, we, we look at what other people are doing. We follow the lead. Um, um, Kristen's dog agrees. And, um, <laughs> but yeah, like we, we follow other people's leads. Like, do we know that that's the best way to go about it? Um, it, you know, how proven are these things before we follow the leader? And, um, don't we still kind of just like everything else have to look inward and say, not everything that happens at that school or in that County or in that state or whatever is going to work for us. Like we, everyone still kind of has to figure it out. I mean, every all, demographics are different, you know? Right. And we use that for almost anything that gets talked about in society, right? Like, well, what's good for this state isn't necessarily, what are you talking about, like a federal law or a federal mandate or whatever it might be. And so I think you're right. Everybody's got to figure out what's best for them and kind of go from there and see what works and what doesn't work so well. Absolutely. Well, um, when we come back, a new segment. Stick with us. The views and opinions expressed on Pod for Teacher are solely those of the authors and participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Freedom Area High School or the Freedom Area School District. Any account of this podcast without the written consent of Emily Milanovic is strictly prohibited. And now for a new segment we're calling Pop Quiz. Nate and Kristen. I don't like quizzes. (laughs) I think they're great. You're gonna I, you're I, gonna I, love this. I think I, I don't like it. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna open everybody's favorite review game website, Kahoot. Nobody loves Kahoot more than Bradley Ball. I think I may have heard him just oh, cheer you, from love hundreds it. of miles away. I think I heard a cheer. Uh, <laughs> Brad taught me about Kahoot uh, a couple years ago. So uh, it's everybody's favorite review game website. Brad's especially. Um, what we're gonna do? You're gonna choose a category. Mm-hmm. I'm going to open a random Kahoot mm-hmm. game okay. in that category. Okay. And then you two are going to square off to Ooh. see who wins. All right. You and me, K Mills. Okay. We got all it. Right. Um, I like it. All right. So, uh, are you guys ready to play? Is it ready all as right. I'll ever be? Okay. Uh, Kristen, since you are the newest member of this team and the best, oh, and the best. Obviously. Um, We're going to I'm going to have you choose the category. Okay. So, the categories that you can choose from are music, history, technology, movies, 
and sustainability. So what like, does that even mean? It's what interesting. Is sustainability. You got, you got history in there, so you got maybe uh, maybe Langelli's wheelhouse. You got technology, which might please, be yours. Please don't pick and history. If, if I if I lose at history, I'm gonna really feel bad about myself. Like, well, that's kind of how I feel. So I want to go with sustainability because we don't know what that means. I have no clue what that means. You don't know what that means? Well, I understand what the word means, but how is that as a category? Okay. Well, um, <laughs> I, that's a great question. Right. Um, I mean, I think it's great. We're gonna we're gonna find that out, um, and I'm gonna Game. just pull up the first quiz that I see on sustainability. It better be question. It better be quiz. appropriate. That's all I'm saying. We're Listen, gonna find out real quick here. Okay, I need so, the game pin. Give me a second here. Jeez, this wow. is a this is a. Oh man, those Kahoot jams! <laughs> I once threatened to write a rap song to this to this Kahoot jam. Do you think they would ever play some? El- <laughs> Maybe some elevator music, perhaps. I mean, I wish we could. Yeah, I mean, it's like in the muffler. Yeah, I'm twitching. <laughs> All right, let's get started. Sustainability. Ten questions. Here we go. Ready. Question number one: How much does the average person send to the dump yearly? Uh, Two hundred and fifty kilograms, three hundred and fifty kilograms. 750 kilograms or 500,000 kilograms. I'm going, I'm, I know what I went. I did. Oh, I got You don't want to tell it. I'm locked in. No, I don't. This is competitive. Darn it. Oh. Who is, who's yellow? I oh, got the, it right. Darn oh, you, it. oh, you got it right. Oh, okay. So the answer is 750 right. kilograms. And Kristen did jump out to a commanding 792 point lead right. to Nate's zero. Don't, don't you worry. I'm coming. Lots of questions left, Nate. No worries. Here we go. Question number two, the U.S. consumes most of their water supply for which purpose? Is it irrigation, domestic use like drinking, showering, and cooking, water parks, or industrial, uh, in other words, metal production, wood, and paper products, and chemicals, and such? I got this. I, I must, I gotta have the right answer. Where does the U.S.? Darn it! Irrigation. Ah. Irrigation is the right answer. And Central pivot irrigation. Oh my goodness, Camille! I'm feeling is so one inadequate. Smart cookie. Listen, you got to drive through Indiana sometime. I'm feeling so inadequate. Sixteen twenty-two to Zippo. You don't need to broadcast the score, Jeez. The, the, they can't see the screen like I can. I get it. <laughs> Four digits to one looks okay. All right, we're gonna move on. Question number three: What is the leading cause of pollution of streams, rivers, and oceans? Is it dumping of garbage by cities? Is it surface water running off streets, yards, car parks, and paddocks? Is it paddocks? Um, is it trash washed on t- into ocean from beaches, or is it waste dumped by factories? Oh boy! Wow! Uh-oh. Oh, didn't get that I one again. The answer is surface water running off streets, yards. Oh, that was car parts. My really? gut reaction. What is a but a, what is a paddock? 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 Have you seen that word before? That was it the one I was familiar. like. Definitely not that one. Okay, well, no, no correct answers on that one. Kristen, you pick this category. I blame you. Okay. Well, still still lots of time for redemption there, uh, That's right. Nathaniel. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Recycling one aluminum can saves enough money to run a personal computer for three seconds, 30 minutes, three hours, or three years. Oh, three hours is correct. And Mr. Langelli has made his way to the leaderboard. Um, Yeah, yeah, I'm not leading, but I'm on the leaderboard out of two people. After four questions, four questions? After four questions, uh, Kristen's leading this this challenge, 1622 to 840. 1622, that sounds like a good year. I'll have to go back and look at world history here. All right. On to the next question. Number five out of ten. Swapping a compact fluoro light for a traditional bulb keeps blank of CO2 out of the atmosphere. Is it 100 tons? Is it half a ton? Is it 100 pounds? Or is it one pound? I don't know. How much CO2 is kept out of the atmosphere Uh, by swapping just one bulb? Correct answer is half a ton. I oh, knew was, it. Kristen just, nailed it. That was just one bulb. Oh, I misread the question. Okay. Wasn't going to be deterred by Nate's uh, recent uh, run of success. 2374 to 840 after five questions. Still lots of time. Still lots of time. Yeah, let's, let's move it along. Number six, which of the following will reduce stormwater runoff? Is it replacing grass with synthetic turf? Installing a green roof? Planting a rain garden slash bioswale? 
or all of the above? Oh, come on. Answer is all of the above. Oh. Uh, what did you how, pick? How is there, if you, wait a second, runoff, if you put on fake grass, the water's going to stay there more than if you have real grass. It's not going to run off of the fake turf more than real grass. All right, I'm going to call the doc. Sounds like science to me. Yeah, I did. This is unbelievable. I think you're supposed to call Bill Nye. <laughs> they, they, they don't call him for the science guy for nothing, right? Mr. Wizard. Mr. Wizard. Myself? That is a throwback. <laughs> it is a throwback. I want a t-shirt that says I have this. no idea what you're talking about. Stop you, it. Old school Nickelodeon, my friend. No. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah, Thank you. yeah. Next question. Okay. Let's go. 3306 to 840. Yeah, Just yeah, saying. yeah. Okay. Number seven. How much paper does the average government employee use each year? Oh, 500 kilograms, 2 million kilograms, 50,000 kilograms, or 500 kilograms? Oh. Ridiculous. 5,000 kilograms? This metric system stuff is tricky. Yeah, tricky. <laughs> no, it's me just not really knowing enough information is tricky. Oh. Mm. Mm. Okay. You're doing a great job, Kristen. Keep so, up the good work. Well, uh, no, no, no correct answers on that one, correct? No, right? I so got it wrong. Sticking at 3306 to 840 and moving on to question number eight. At the current rate, how long would it take to cut down all of the UK's rainforests? More than 10 years, more than five years, less than two years, or less than one year? I'm going extreme here. Extreme. Oh, come on. Less than two years. At the current rate, it would take less than two years to cut down all of the UK's rainforest. Wow. Wow. Is that the, that's not the extreme that you went? No, less than one year. Less than one year. Because, I mean, so it, that was, UK, you're close. You're it's right an close. island nation. It can't be that big. Yeah, I don't know. All right. Well, the score remains. Uh, with two questions left, the, uh, the deficit might be hard to come back from. But, yeah, you never know. Yeah, that, she you might have this know. game in the bag. We'll have to see. Question nine, as well as saving 17 trees and 380 gallons of oil, recycling one ton of paper can save what? 7,000 gallons of water, 1,000 gallons of water, 3,000 gallons of water, or 10,000 gallons of water. Oh, man. 7,000 gallons of water. Okay, so saving, let me read it again. As well as saving, oh, okay. it would save 17 trees and 380 gallons of oil as well as 7,000 gallons of water if you just recycled one ton of paper. Wow. Uh, wow. I don't understand the connection to oil. I don't. Um, are these, are these yeah. verified facts? I'm, I'm not no, really we, we chose a <laughs> – we just talked about fake news, did we not? Yeah. I mean, yeah, we, we just yeah. chose a so, random a random cahoot so that's been made by All these anyone. stats that we're just throwing out there, I none of them could be true. So none we're talking them. about uh, you know the UK and then we're, we're using kilograms. This may very well not have been made by someone in our country. Or it okay. could have been made by somebody in our country talking about the UK. They have no clue. They're just That's making true. stuff up. That's true. Could be... Way to throw, throw us off. Hey, you know what? All right. You got a last lead. one. <laughs> 3306 to 840. Oh, this is bad. Here we go. Last question. Which of these is not true? Oh, all of them. <laughs> is it idling the car for 10 seconds takes more fuel than restarting? Vehicle-related air pollution is a contributor to asthma. Water-efficient shower heads use one-third the water of a standard, and native grass lawns require more water than imported grasses. Which of those is not true? I don't know. My spirit has been sucked out of me <laughs> by doing this. Well, you did know, because you both got it right. Wow. The answer was... <laughs> native Huzzah. grass lawns require more water than imported grasses. Oh, yeah, you guys. Like, that was the most detailed... She, I didn't think I was going to read those all before the time expired. <laughs> that was a challenge. Kristen, you you stomped me. Our you, final score. You stomped me. Thirty nine nineteen to Nate's fifteen twenty three. Kristen got five out of the ten correct. <laughs> Nate got a measly two. <laughs> but I'll let ten. it be known. She still failed. She got a fifty percent. Okay, we I both did. failed. I, I just failed it. worse. That is correct. We will have to have a little chat with the good doc about your sustainability skills. That's all I'm saying. When she picked that category, I didn't. Oh, man. Was, uh, now I know what the category is, and I'm not going to play it again. No, all right. Well, guess what, guys? I like 
pop quiz. I like the pop quiz. Yeah, it was good. It was, it was fun. I'm glad you liked it. Well, guess what? The fun doesn't stop there because when we come back, the soapbox. Ooh. Don't go anywhere. Ooh. Pod for Teacher is brought to you by Beneath the Freedom Skies, a little-known gem of cinema originally released to a select audience in the fall of 2014. It's the heartwarming tale of a love that would not be forsaken or denied by distance, jealousy, or even social norms. Although Paramount passed on the Oscar-worthy performance, there are still a couple of copies floating around somewhere. So, if you're lucky enough to catch a select screen, you can thank us later. Welcome back. In our best efforts to educate the youths of America, our passion for the subjects we're teaching occasionally results in a little pontificating. And as we know, the culture we experience shapes us and informs our worldview. With that in mind, we're calling this new segment The Soapbox. Each of us will choose a popular topic, something we've heard or experienced in school recently. Now, this could be anything from wonkier top. I don't usually say wonkier, but we'll roll with it. Like current trends in education to more lighthearted topics like fashion fads, TV shows, or musical artists. We'll then present that topic to one or both of our co-hosts who will get on their metaphorical soapbox and share their best hot take on said topic. So, A.A. Ron, why don't you kick things off? All right. Um, so, Nate, I guess this, was, this first one's I'm going to throw, throw a little topic your way, okay? Thank you. I need a little, little pick-me-up after that shellacking I took in the <laughs> cahoot there. So, hopefully, <laughs> the, I need a little redemption. Man. All right. Don't make me look foolish, though. All right. It's fine. You can. I, I can take it. <laughs> Okay. Um, all right. Why don't you talk to us about? Um, okay. The uh, you said fashion fads was a topic. Let's go with um, socks and sandals. Socks <laughs> and sandals. What do you think about it? I go. <laughs> I'm not trying to be judgmental here, but I think of my grandpa, perhaps. You know, like it's a popular fad, and it has been for for a while now that I've been here. You know, it's my eighth year at the school. I've seen it for a while. I just, I just can't get on board. It's like the high, and not just ankles, I think the high socks, like halfway up the calf with the Nike swoosh and the sandals that go over the toes. Like, I don't, I don't really know. Like, did you just roll out of bed and slip them on? Are you going to the shower, like in the, to the gym to shower? Like, I'm, I'm very confused by it. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not one to go on, get on board with it. I'm not, Hey, who am I to judge? You know, I have silly things that I do, you know, but it's not really for me, perhaps. So I don't know what your thoughts on it, Kristen, are, but that's kind of my take. I, uh, I, uh, no. <laughs> you know, I, I, when I see that, I assume that the person does not have clean toenails. So then I think <laughs> that, that they're wearing socks to cover up their dirty toenails. Okay. So I'm all for it because pedicures aren't always a thing for everyone. You know what, though? I've, I've been intrigued by pedicures. I've never gotten one myself. I have no problem. I would. I would sit down. If you, um, if, we, if I could do it right here, could that be like. I will get both of you to get pedicures. We will have a great time. So we can take like a field trip. And then in our, <laughs> then we can like follow up on this soapbox at the next, oh on our next spot. And, and okay, when we get our pedicures, I've always found this interesting. You ever put your feet in the water with the little fishies that eat like the dead skin off of your feet? Like I would do that as well. Oh, can boy. we do that? Oh boy. Okay. I'll have to find those fish no they're, they're at the place you don't have to bring the fish with you the fish are provided so. tnt mill is where we're gonna go all right all right okay <laughs> moving Perfect. on that was a good soapbox what's that that was a good soapbox yeah i thought so too uh so i appreciate that aa ron okay uh k mills for you now yeah. okay i've noticed this it's springing up. It's a, it's a, it's a very interesting cultural thing where between classes, you know, people who might be interested in each other, they lean against the lockers. Like they're sp they're spread around the school, and you kind of see that they're like talking, they're exchanging glances, you know, whatever. And it's like they always are leaning on the on the walls. You know, they're not just like in the classroom sitting on chairs. Like I see them throughout as I'm walking down the halls between classes. Like it's very interesting. Like these these pairs are just popping up throughout the building. And I was just curious. Have you noticed this? It's a new uh, phenomenon that I've that I, I've come across. Have you have you ever seen the movie Grease? Like Rydell High, they that's what oh, they yeah. do. That's how they look cool. But it, it is the same stance though. It's like 
leaning though, like on the shoulder against the locker, like maybe feet, like you know, one tucked behind the other, oh, perhaps. The sideways lean. Yeah, I the sideways lean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, 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 I brought it to the attention that. of a couple people yesterday as I was walking down the hall, and they're like, you know, that's yeah. So anyway, I, maybe this has escaped your, you know, your, yeah, it your has. attention. It has. But now that you now that I brought it to your attention, take a look, you know, take a look and see see what you guys find. What do you think, there, right. Fitz? Have you noticed? I haven't. I mean, it, it, maybe it could be just some sort of display of, uh, uh, you know, power, like you know, like the the animal kingdom, like. <laughs> 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 No, no. All right, I'm changing topics. I'm going to my soapbox. My soapbox is going to be a little bit entertainment related. Is that okay? No, yeah. sure. Yeah, of course. Okay. So as you know, I well, I've had some downtime recently, and I've, I've caught myself watching a few random talk shows like all day long. So the Royals, obviously, we have the Dutch and Duchess of Sussex that have left their, you know, have made a motion that they're going to leave their throne. So is there a comparison to Superman 2? And do you know what I'm referring to when I say that? I've seen Superman 2, but I was a, a youngin. So that's when Superman goes to the Fortress of Solitude and tells his father that he no longer wants to be Superman. And then he goes and he lives in the real world and he gets beat up and he doesn't like it, right? Because he's Superman. So then he came back to the Fortress of Solitude and he decided that he wanted to be Superman again. So Do you believe that these royals are going to leave the royalty and then be like, uh-oh, what do we do? Um, I, I'll, I, I have my thoughts, but I'll let you, you start us off. It, unless you want me to, because I have a thought about it. I don't know. I mean, I, I think that's going to look like uh, crawling back kind of thing and that, you know, just like... Uh, that level of pride, I don't think, is going to allow for that to, t to take place. But um, I don't know if you saw, you know, as you were coming through social media or the news or whatever, just like some of the juxtapositions that they put up about how Kate Middleton was treated in the press versus how uh, Meghan Markle uh, was treated in the press. And it's like the exact same situations, but man, were they brutal, you know? And it's like, I'm, I'm sure that was one contributing factor, but I think I, you, can, you can kind of uh, appreciate and you know, relate a little bit to like wanting to kind of set out on your own and not, not be handed everything and stuff like that. So like granted, they're still going to have some advantages and you know, whatever about like going out and uh, all already being very wealthy <laughs> um, right. that most people aren't going to have already. But um, I mean, you got to respect, you got to respect people's uh, independence. I think, you know, like just because it's been done one way for so many years or whatever it doesn't mean that that times haven't changed and that things aren't different now and uh and everyone's everyone i think has a right to their own lifestyle whatever that is and i'm right. just curious too is it really i mean maybe moving out of the country another place i don't know how much it's going to affect their daily are they it's not i guess they're going to be fine financially still like you said so are they going to miss the extreme limelight of being in the i but don't I mean, know are they going to be fine financially i you think they're going to get cut off from the the family nest? I saw egg? I saw a blurb saying that there would still be some sort of fun. I don't know. I'd have to go back and research. I don't want to spread fake news. Sure, you know, I got to find That's out. Right. That's right. We'll have to do some further research. Yeah, hmm. yeah. So, I, in my initial like, without any further understanding, I'm going to say no. They're not going to necessarily regret it. But that, hey, what do I know? I'm just throwing out a yes or a no to a question. So, right. But. Hmm. Thanks, guys. Yeah, you, oh, yeah. you know, I appreciate the uh, the entertainment side of things there. So there you go. Well, you know, I had to change it up a little. Yeah. And you did just a great job. Um, and uh, I just want to say that uh, I appreciate the uh, the chance to to share with you people, to really open up and express my true feelings. I, I feel accepted. I feel loved. And you guys are just rolling your eyes at me now. <laughs> and so, uh, um, you know, we're okay. You're okay. <laughs> That's all the time we have for today. Follow us on Twitter at PodForTeacher. You can follow me at A Fitzpatrick CJE. You can follow me at Nlangeli. And you can follow me at K Milanovic. Please subscribe and rate. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you found our pod. Reviews help more people find us and connect, and we really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Best of luck in semester two, everybody. We're pulling for you. Godspeed. Adios. <laughs>